Hey, welcome to the Chavrusa Podcast. On today's episode, Scattered and Separate, defining the essence of what a community is and is not, Esther's profound and enthralling response to the gravest of dangers, and the deep messaging behind sending gifts on Perm. I'm Moshe Shomer, and thank you for joining me in this exploration of timeless wisdom and ideas that have guided some of history's greatest men and women for over 3,000 years. We interrupt our scheduled programming. A letter in the scroll, we're about to embark on the third and final section and conclude the, the journey within a letter of the scroll, which is so deep and has been really, really uh, invigorating and insightful for me personally. And according to some good feedback that I got for others too. So still keeping uh, a peg in the page. What's it called? Uh, the note uh, book, book, book page, bookmark. Bookmark in the letter in the scroll and interrupt with a week of Purim programming. Purim, the, the awesome, the awesome, underrated, undervalued, underappreciated, at least on my end, uh holiday coming up thursday evening after nightfall thursday night and friday leads right into shabbat super awesome uh this is almost uh an extended perm this year friday and shabbos and perm could be best described i saw this described by rabbi emmanuel bernstein whose book we went through a Hanukkah. He has another book on Purim called Removing the Mask. Removing the Mask. His Purim is very much, could, could be compared to a wedding. <laughs> a highly disorganized wedding, perhaps, but a wedding. And what, what does he mean? He says, like, a wedding, you can't start discussing the idea of a wedding when you're at the wedding. When you're at the wedding, what's happening is there's celebration. You're, you're, you're celebrating. You're celebrating the union. Now, the ideas of marriage, the concepts, all the, the symbolisms behind it, that's for before the wedding. Right? You get that in order, and then when you show up at the wedding, you're just there. You're dancing. When, when somebody gets married and you feel that the wedding went well, you also, though, right, have to understand that, that it's beyond that celebration, too, that there is meaning, that there is concepts behind it. If you just think, that, oh, it went well because the food was good and, you know, the music was nice, then you, you're missing out on valuable information of what that wedding was. And the same is true on Perm. It's these two things. Number one is that it's the celebration itself. So they have celebration. So to wait till Perm, and this is why I want to interrupt the programming, to wait till Perm, and just on the day, amidst the 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 goings about, to try to sit and contemplate and think, wait, what exactly is going on? There's got to be more to just the uh, the costumes and the the hamantash, and there's got to be some deeper ideas. To wait till that moment, sort of like you're at the wedding, and like, wait one second, what's the concept of marriage? What does it mean? What's the the whole union of souls and chuppas and dedicating for life like what is it what's happening and, and it's a little bit uh tough to do it under the circumstances of the wedding um at the same time you want to be able to get that in beforehand so that's the uh 
the mission here for the next week. So a great entry point into Perm is community. Jewish community, you can't celebrate Perm just on your own as an individual Jew celebrating the survival of the people, the wicked empire, Haman, Achashverosh wanted to wipe out the Jews. Jewish people survived. It's more than just that you survive, that you're alive, but that the people, Jewish people, the Jewish family are, are around. Now, community in itself, on the face of it, this is a very popular notion I hear expressed a lot on campus. How do you connect to Judaism? What's your, when you think of Judaism, what do you think? You think Jew, my community, Jewish community is, is an important value, etc. People that proclaim to be agnostic or atheist also Judaism for me is that sense of community it's it's probably the most popular refrain I hear when in discussions amongst identity um, now what does it mean what what defines a community if you're walking into a Starbucks and there's 20 people in this store are you a community you're all together you're in the same space you have similar interests, <laughs> coffee or whatever Starbucks serves. You're in a similar location, similar country. Is that a community? Are you part of the Starbucks community at 3.15 p.m. when you're when you're there? You're on a plane together. Is, is that a community for the duration of the flight? And what, then it stops when you leave? leave a community has one joins a community is it just by proximity alone geography so anyone living near university of maryland or that's somewhat attached to it is part of the university of maryland community what if you go to the university but yeah you don't really enjoy it right so there's you don't want to be identified with it like how does it work is it the city, the county, the street. What what defines a community? What's the when you point get to the fundamental, fundamental definition? What is it? What is community? And if, if our approach and our identity, if this is something central to to uh, on our on our list of things that are important, community. So then I think it's super vital to first understand and quali- quantify and and define very clear. Uh, Rubric, one sentence, what does it mean, a community? And I think a lot of the, the common notions that come to mind, the shared history, uh, common values, things like that, they, they fall to the side when you think of, of such examples of just being in a cafe or living on the same block, where I would argue that doesn't really capture the essence of what does it mean part of the community. So, so then what is it? And I think the Megillah, story of Perm has a direct insight and, and such a deep uh, idea here that we could uh, begin begin to define it. In the third chapter in the story of Perm, there's 10 chapters total, the third chapter, Haman, Haman were introduced to his plot, or Haman introduces his plot to destroy and annihilate the Jewish people. And he comes, he's the second under the king, 
Xerxes, Ahasuerus, Ahashia, the Persian, he comes to the king to propose his plan to completely annihilate the Jews. And he begins and he describes the Jewish people in the following way. Following way. He says, Yeshnoi am echad, there is one people, Mufuzer, scattered, umafurad, and separate, Beina Amin, among all the nations. There are people that are both scattered and separate. Now the question is, what are these two things? It seems just a redundant way of saying the same thing, but they're spread out. So it doesn't mean scattered and separate. Explains Rabbi Shlomo Al-Kavitz. Shlomo Al-Kavitz, a great Kabbalist buried in Tzfat, lived in the times of the Arizal and the Kabbalistic boom in the 1500s in Tzfat, famously composed L'Chadodi. The words for L'Chadodi were composed on the hillsides of Tzfat by Rabbi Shlomo Al-Kavitz, and he has a commentary on the Megillah called Manais Halevi, and he explains, he explains it beautifully. He says, there's two separate things happening here. Two distinct ideas. Mufuzer, Mufurad, scattered and separate. Scattered is a geographical term. The fact that the Jewish people are scattered all across the kingdom of Ahasuerus, the Persian kingdom at the time, consisted of 127 countries. There's Jewish people that are scattered all amongst them. They're not all in one central location. They're scattered. That's number one. Number two is they're separate. They're separate amongst themselves emotionally. There's a... There's a Indifference, there's division. They're beset by strife, by discord, by apathy towards one another. Haman mentions this, he brings this up to Ahasuerus. Why do you care about the internal discord amongst the Jewish people? Because he knew that in order to get the king to sign off on it, to agree to his plan, to exterminate the Jews, he has to feel that he's going to be successful. But the king at the time, this is right after uh, the first temple, this is in between. The story of Perm happens between the first and second temples. They didn't know that it was going to be uh, quick salvation at the time. It looked like the Jewish people would be destroyed and there wouldn't be a second temple. But it's right after the first temple. There's a great uh, legacy of the Jewish people, both during the times of the Beis HaMikdash and before that and all the miracles of, of reclaiming their indigenous homeland and leaving Egypt and splitting up the seas. And like, you know, a pretty good track record of... of good things happening to them. So it could be the king Ahasuerus, the Persian king, is going to be a little bit hesitant to sign off on this decree to go out and, and wage war with the Jews and try to uh, kill them all out. And Haman, the protagonist of the story, the, the evil manifestation of Amalek, of, of the great enemy of the Jewish people, Haman allays this concern of Ahasuerus and he tells Ahasuerus, that all that history of the divine protection, the Shechina, Hashkacha, Pratis, all the, the fact that the Jewish people have had such success in their, in their history up until this point, that's only when they're unified. It's only when they're together. Like the Torah describes the Jewish people at Mount Sinai, we're like one person, one heart. Then, they're impenetrable. They have Hashem on their side. But when they're disunified, when they're fighting with each other, when they're apathetic and indifferent, Haman knows and he comes to Ahasuerus and he says, They're separate amongst themselves. They're, they're disunity. You have nothing to fear. 
We got them. And Haman was right. He was right <laughs> that when the Jews are disunified, they're vulnerable. They're open to attack. They're open to attack. And Esther knows this. Esther, the heroine of the Purim story, Esther knows this. And she says, Leich Kinnais Kal Yehudim, chapter 4. She tells Mordechai, Leich Kinnais Kal Yehudim, go gather all the Jews, bring them all together, not only geographically bring them to one spot, but bring them together in their hearts, bring them together with unity. That if somebody looks different than you or thinks differently than you, that's okay. Let's come together. Let's reclaim that unity that makes us deserving of the divine providence. And indeed, the Jewish people came together, setting their differences aside, reclaiming their unity and love for one another, and eventually heralds in the victory. This is the idea of one of the essential mitzvot of the day, the practices that we do on Purim, is sending gifts to one another, mishloch manot, to send food, to send material for celebration. Purim suda comes up later in the day. So first of all, people should have what to celebrate. If somebody doesn't have food, for example, by sending them food, they'll have now their resources to go and have their, their celebratory festive meal. But on a, so much of a deeper and, and core level, what's happening is is, is the, this response of Purim, the entire miracle of perm the entire story flipped and turned and operated on when the jewish people went from being scattered amongst each other separate from one another to community to caring about one another to loving one another so of course the key element of the day is going to be to increase community to increase friendship to increase unity to send gifts to one another because that's the whole essence of the day. It's such a beautiful practice. I learned this from my aunt and uncle, the vaults, where what they do on perm. So the kids are naturally very excited about perm to send gifts to their friends, to receive gifts. By the way, the opposite of Halloween, where you're taking trick or treat, give me candy. Here you're going and giving the candy, and then others give back to you. So. At the end of the day, it's the same. You get the same amount of candy. But instead of operating on taking, it's giving. It's uh, completely uh, the opposite side of the spectrum. Uh, so kids are super excited to give to their friends, to select which friends. Because at the end of the day, most parents want to <laughs> you know, want to drive around the entire city back and forth. Traffic, if you want to go deliver to every single one of your kids' friends, you'll be driving till till no end. So you want to sort of limit the uh the list of who you're gonna give friends so okay depending on your parent depending on the kid the kid will get a certain amount of slots selections of who they're gonna create uh gifts for in their in their friends and what my aunt and uncle do is they sit down with each kid and they say hey you have this amount of slots now let's think okay so those are gonna go to your friends now let's think who in your class, who in your friends, who, who in your neighborhood is unlikely to receive so many gifts? Who are the people that aren't as popular, that don't have endless line of people coming by their house to drop off gifts? Let's give gifts to those kids. 
let's try to identify the people that might feel a little separate, might look a little different, or might act a little funny in our eyes, and give those gifts. That's Perm, that's Michelle Khamanis. Now, how does this relate to community, to the definition of community? So that's the idea of Perm, of unity. Community. Is it Starbucks? Is it living in the same neighborhood? What is it? So you go back to the words in the Megillah. When Esther says, Go gather all the Jews. Bring us all together. Let's all be unified. And she continues. She says, And have them fast for me. All the Jews should come and they should fast for me. Or Bazaria Figo makes such a uh, incisive remark here in his book, Jerusha's Bina Le'itim, Bina Le'itim, number 22. And he says, points out, Esther doesn't say, everybody should fast, refrain from eating and drinking, serious contemplation, retrospection, think about how to become a better person. Right, that's what typically fasting is. That's why we fast in Yom Kippur on, on tragic days in the calendar. It's to really try to take the, the time and reflect. But Esther doesn't say that. She says, go gather all the Jews, bring them all together, and they should fast for me. And then she adds, Gamani, also myself, Vinarosai, and my, my, my maids, came, we will fast like this. What does that mean? Esther's pointing out, she's telling the Jewish people, yeah, you're in peril. Yeah, we're in danger. But don't have every single person now go and worry about themselves. Don't, don't create an environment when there's risk, when there's danger out in the world. There's a pandemic. When there's a, everybody's just worried for their own survival. No, no, no. You go, you fast for me because I'm in danger. I'm going, I'm about to approach the king uncalled for. Which at the time carried an instant death penalty unless the king revokes it on the spot. He says, don't, don't just fast for yourself. You fast for me and me, I'll fast for you in the same way. We'll also fast the same way. In that a community is not just that we all share the same fate similar things have happened to us, but that we care about each other, that we're invested in each other, that I am invested in you and I am going to take on your burden on my shoulders. I'm going to daven for you. I'm going to fast for you and you fast for me. That's a community. Now, at a time when there was so much divisiveness and contention, I don't know if today's, uh, world is is any perhaps uh, so much different a time of divisiveness and contention when there's impending chaos and calamity to address the issue we say your troubles are my troubles my troubles are your troubles that's a family family is when somebody's going through something when somebody's going through a hard time even if we're going through the same hard time but we're empathizing and we're we're taking on that struggle together we're in this together. Rabbi Bernstein says this so beautifully in his opening chapter to the book, Removing the Mask. He says, in other words, community is defined 
not by the room that holds us together, not by the cafe, the Starbucks room, the plane, they were all in the same place in the campus, in the city, in the street. No, no. Community is defined not by the room that holds us together with others, but by the room we make for them in our heart. That's community. This idea that community is defined by having the well-being of others in your heart is expressed by the Torah itself, the Talmud, in Tractate Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah, page 17, side B. And the Talmud there is having a discussion about the effectiveness of prayer. And the Torah says, the Gemara says, that the power of a communal prayer is stronger than that of the individual. When you're part of a community, then your individual flaws fall by the wayside because you're attacking yourself to something bigger than yourself, to something more than yourself. And because it's stronger, it has the power to rescind a heavenly decree, even when that decree has been sealed. Even when it's been sealed. So you look in the Purim story, the Megillah itself, it says that the king's decree was already sealed. And it was known in Persia that once a king's decree is sealed, it can't be revoked. Because of that, they had to come up, even after Esther's intervention, they had to come up with a whole new idea, a new type of decree that didn't directly contradict the first one, but that fine-tuned it. But, and the same is true in the, the spiritual realm. Anytime it says the king in the Megillah, it's referring not only to the king of Persia, but the king of Hashem, the king of the world. The king of Hashem, of the world. And... Oh, so, so once you have a communal prayer, it could even overcome communal tefillah, not prayer, tefillah. You've got to reclaim tefillah. Um, so it could rescind even a decree that's been sealed. Now, ask that, that's the, the context. The Gemara then pr proceeds to ask that there's a teaching about when sailors are on a boat, a bunch of people are on a boat, and a storm threatens the boat. It's, a, it's caught in a major, major storm, and, and the boat's at risk. It's about to capsize. And the teaching is, is that in that scenario, prayers would only work, feel it would only work if a decree has not yet been sealed. Once it's been sealed, the boat's going to capsize. But what's the question? Ask the Gemara. You're probably thinking, what do you mean? We just said communal prayer could overcome even a sealed decision. So here, there's a bunch of people on the boat. So why can't they overcome even after it's been sealed? Answers the Gemara, they are like individuals. They're like individuals. And that's the end of the Gemara. Now the question is, the question jumps out at you. What do you mean? They're like individuals. Why are they like individuals? They're all together. They're all in the boat together. They're all suffering from the same fate, but that's the answer. Like we're explaining now, that community is not that you're just in the same place, that you're in the same location, that you go to the same school, you wear the same brand of shoes. It's that community. Community is when you care about each other. And these people on the boat, because they were so nervous about the boat capsizing, immediately they were just reverting to themselves and thinking about themselves. That's individuals. It's only natural that when your life is at risk, you start thinking about yourself. It's only when you consciously and actively build up in yourself 
room in your heart for other people. That you'll be able to make this space for others. That's how the Shemi Shmuel, the Sachachavar Gain, explains the uh, the Talmud, the Gemara. You can best illustrate this by a story. Right, Bernstein goes to the story. Famous yeshiva in Jerusalem and Israel, the Mir Yeshiva, my alma mater, where I learned under great Rabbi, Rabbi Asharieli, who we've quoted a couple times in the podcast. What a, what a person. And the Mir Yeshiva, a couple, of, a couple of decades ago, was under the helm of Rabbi Finkel. He was the, the head of the Yeshiva, Rabbi Finkel. And there was a dispute between Rabbi Finkel and some of the students in the Yeshiva. Because some of the students in Yeshiva that were receiving some sort of compensation, a stipend, a scholarship, sort of how universities have grants, research grants, that pay the salaries of the researchers. So too, the Yeshiva has a stipend to support some of the, the unbelievable learning and scholarship and Talmudic research that is coming out of the yeshiva. And they came to the Rosh Yeshiva, the head of the yeshiva, Rabbi Finkel, and they said, we want to raise. We want to raise in our in our grants, in our funding. And the yeshiva said, no. I think we're giving you a fair amount. No raise. Now, the yeshiva students aren't just going <laughs> to go go out with that. They're going to come back with a, a Torah argument, and they say there's a Torah argument in Halakha and Jewish law. The law always goes that when you have a majority versus individuals, the law goes with the majority. Yachid v'rabim, halacha k'rabim. Individual and multitudes, we go with the multitudes. We go with the rabim. So therefore, you say we don't deserve a raise. We are the majority here, and we think we do deserve a raise. So therefore, you have to give us the money. That's the halacha, that's the Torah law. That's a good argument. Rabbi Finkel looks at them and he responds, <laughs> you got this wrong. I agree with you. We always go with the majority. I'm the majority here because I am working on a budget for thousands of people in the yeshiva. It's the largest yeshiva in the world. It's like 9,000 students. He says, I have every single student in mind here. When I'm balancing the budget, I'm working for everyone. You're working for yourself. You're not, you're not a majority. You're a bunch of individuals that all want for yourself. You want a little bit more. This idea, this idea that community is defined not by just an abstract surface level, how many people are here, but how many people you care about. How many people do you have room in your heart for? The head of Yeshiva, Rabbi, Frink, Rabbi Finkel. He's got 9,000 people on his heart. It's a community when everybody has space for each other in their hearts and everybody's worrying about how can I get the best for him, for her, not for me. I want the best for the people around me, the people that I care about. That's the definition of community. That's what's so core when we're building up our identity. We want to say Jewish community is important for me. If we could define community, it's not just a superficial thing that we have the same zip code but that I care about these people, that I'm invested in them, that I have room for them in my heart. They, vice versa, have the same for me. Untouchable, 
untouchable. That's what Esther knew. That's her response to Hama. Because when we're all out for just for ourselves, the way we think and what we want, then we're vulnerable to Hamans of the world, both from within and from without. And without Haman Amalek, Jewish enemies throughout the ages in each generation, different manifestation, but also from within. And the Amalek from within, the feelings of doubt, the feelings of isolation, the feelings of indifference, and apathy. In response to that, what Esther teaches us, what the Torah teaches us, gather all the Jews together, not just in one spot, but in one heart. Fast for each other. Celebrate with each other. Rejoice. Mourn with each other. That's community. This also explains so beautifully the practice before Perm, right before Perm, so Thursday afternoon this year. The custom is to give a half a shekel, half a coin, half dollar in today's parlance, those big half dollar coins, uh, to charity. Everybody, every single person gives a half a coin. And like the Talmud says, the Midrash says, this is in response to Haman had weighed out 10,000 shekel to bribe the king to sign off on the decree. And the secret, the response, the salvation is the Jewish practice of shkalim. Because this idea of giving a half shekel was practiced all the way throughout the temple. And now we commemorate it. And we read it in, in the Torah reading in the Shabbat preceding um, Purim at the beginning of the month of Adar, Parsha Shkalim, we read about the shekel, giving the half a shekel. What's the message? What's the idea? What's the mitzvah there? Right, it's not just a commandment. It embodies ideals. It embodies, it embodies ideas and ideals. Mitzvah to connect us, to teach us, to give us a value. What's going on? Why the half a shekel? The idea is, is that everybody... Everybody contributes a half shekel. Nothing more, nothing less. There's nobody that's more important than somebody else. Everyone is equally valuable. Everyone is equally valued. That's everyone giving the same amount, but there's such a there's such a difference between everybody giving one full coin and one half a coin. To realize that we're all halves, that we all need each other to complete to become greater than the soul of the sum of the parts. Yearning. When we're yearning, when we see every moment, every stage that we're in, every person that we meet, every time, day that we wake up, every place that we visit, to realize that this is a half a coin that we could fill it. We could fill other people's coins. We could fill the place that's calling out for tikkun, to uplift it, to elevate food, to elevate any earthly desire and any spiritual desire to come together. That's the shekel. And that's the antidote to Haman's 10,000 wing of, of silver. The answer to Haman's decree that was sealed the deal, the annihilation, the response to that, now the Jewish people coming together, each of us, a half, the needs community, the needs the real space in other people's hearts to come together, to unify. So this Friday, Perm, create the space in your heart for other people. Send a gift to your neighbor, somebody that 
maybe you you had some run-in over the past year. You didn't like how their COVID behavior is. You don't like how their politics are. You don't like how they raise their kids. You don't like how they sing. Whatever it is. Find someone. You can bridge that gap. They create create a space for them in your heart. Send a gift. Send a text. Or even just think about them. It's a kindness meditation. Do a kindness meditation. Ten seconds. Ten seconds. Take two people and just think that you want the best for them. They they're Hope should be actualized, that their fear should dissolve, their anxieties should melt away. Do that on Perm. Send a gift. Think about the community. Think about others. Create the space. That's the idea of Mashallah Manas. That's on this aspect of Perm, the community. There's so much opportunity, and it's really the salvation that we don't need, or hopefully. You shouldn't need a common threat, a common enemy, an Amalek just to wake us up, to say, one second, we got to come together. That Leif Kinos Kal Yehudin, that we all got to gather together to respond to an external threat. If we could do it on our own, not having the enemy unite us, but that we unite on our own to take proactive steps, to bridge gaps. To ignore all these surface level things that divide us. The way we do, the way we act, the way we dress, the way we speak, the way we think. To really come together, create space in our hearts for people unlike us. And like us. With that, with that, that will be our key out the same, same way the Jewish people survived and thrived post-perm. Post the perm story, not only that they remain alive and that they vanquish their enemies and oppressors, but that they go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the base on Mikdash. So too shall it be in our days. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Harusa. If you enjoyed before, you even subscribe and rate it five stars and review and all that. And listen to the other episodes. Please reach out to me. Let me know your thoughts, connections, ideas, questions, critiques. My number is 347-893-4467. Chavrusapodcast at gmail.com or across social media channels. Thank you. Have a wonderful day overflowing with happiness.